Welcome to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I am your host, Donnie Mae. This is the monthly show focused on building conversations around the team-based model approach to athletic performance, strength and conditioning, sports medicine, sports science, mental health and wellness, and sports nutrition. Hello and welcome back to the Team Behind the Team podcast. I'm your host, Donnie Mabe, and man, it is already July in Austin, Texas. And surprisingly, we have had a very mild spring, even beginning of summer. But today, of course, coming in the studio, 100 degrees, and you'll see why in a minute. I have a great guest, a good friend of mine, high-level coach, professional uh, we'll get to that guest in a moment, but uh, first and foremost, Coach Joe is out today. He has not been feeling well, so hate to miss him, but he will be back um, soon. So anyway, just want to let you know about Coach Joe. He will be back. And with that, this month, I have the distinct pleasure of welcoming uh, a, a great friend of mine, a colleague, somebody I look look up to and respect trem- tremendously, uh, Coach Brittany Ducros. Welcome to the show, Brittany. Thanks, Coach. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thanks for making time um, coming down to the 40, 40 acres. How was that traffic uh, oh, coming in? It's always popping in Austin. Oh, I know. Um, we are currently, uh, our NCAA championships going on with track and field, so that's always fun to, to get on campus with lots of people. So thank you for making time. Of course, anytime, anytime. We'll get into Coach Brittany here in a minute, but just want to, uh, if you've never met Brittany, again, a good friend of mine, she just the last couple years ago became a mommy. That's right. And so we'll get into some good questions, but as a da- <laughs> I'm a dad and we've shared some some things with this coach. What has that been like being a mommy and kind of like how's it changed your life? I mean, completely. You know that, right? right? The moment kids step in the booth, it's like the whole perspective shifts, life gets a bit more complicated, but you think in a whole different lens. Professionally, everywhere, you know, everything's different. Um, but it's the best title. It's the best accolade I think I've ever had in my life, I ever will have in my life. It gives you so much joy and just, I, I'm smiling talking about it, but you know, it's the hardest one too because they will test you and they are your clone she and is. they are better than you. What, what, it's Miss <laughs> Little Stevie, right? Yeah, it's Little Stevie after Stevie Nicks. So. That's great. Can you yeah. keep up with her yet? No. All she no. wants to do is run. I know. She's going right? to be at that track and field one here in about 18 years. So, Well, it's, I mean, again, I've always respected you, Coach, but now that you have a baby, little Stevie, like, like nothing but love. Cause I appreciate that. I know that, that that can test your character and stretch you in ways that you can't even imagine. Um, cool. Let's get into a little bit of the show. I would like to give just some career highlights about you, and you can speak into these in a minute. So, again, uh I first met Coach Brittany uh, 2011, 2012. She interned here with me and helped with that national championship team in 2012. That was amazing. So, again, thank you for all that help back then. That was a crew right there. That set the tone for kind of where we're at today. So that was a big piece of it. Um, Currently, you're the dive London head strength and conditioning coach, right, 2014 to now. Yes. Yes, that's Which I can't believe it's been that long. I know. When you think about it, I'm like, whoa. Uh, Like I said, you worked at Texas for a little bit. Uh, from Texas, you went and got a job at Purdue, worked with women's basketball, volleyball, soccer, men's and women's uh, swim and dive, track and field, competitive cheer. A lot of teams there you had your hands in, different coaches and philosophies. That definitely shaped kind of your your career path and thought process and professionalism. 
Uh, Houston, 2013, uh, you were with uh, swimming and diving, soccer and softball. Again, very high-level teams. And then you work with Coach Bruce Johnson, a good friend of mine here in uh, Austin as well. He lives in uh, Philadelphia now, doesn't he? That's right, yeah. He moved. But anyway, Helix, kind of the private sector. Uh, So that's some of the places you work. You've definitely got some accolades from different gold medals, uh, personal best in swimming in the Big Ten. Uh, Again, volleyball championship here helped with that, Super Bowl championships, uh, Commonwealth game medals. Man, you have had a tremendous career in such a short time. You've impacted so many athletes. So um, with that being said, your career path has been so different. But here's the one thing about Brittany that has just stood out to me time and again that wherever you've gone, you've been successful. And that's hard to do. Uh, How have you navigated the transitions from college college to private, and then private working with Olympians overseas? Uh, Ooh, that's a loaded question. I think I was fortunate enough to get to work with you um, and get to model what a successful coach does, the level of expectation that they bring day in and day out. Um, That's something that I have held very close to my heart since I've been here and got the opportunity to work with you. So I appreciate that because that molded me and how I approach Mm -hmm. anyone that I work with. Um, Have a good blend. You know, it can be fun. It doesn't have to be so, like, just head down and not, you know, coming in and having a good time. It's a process. It's a long process. And appreciate the process while you're in it and and love it and learn and grow. Mm -hmm. And every opportunity that I've had, whether it be private sector side with professionals, with college athletes, um, with amateur athletes, you know, the private sector side gives you the whole Rolodex. You get... You get the high school kids, you get, you know, the ones that want to go to college, you get the college kids and you get the pros. So just embrace every single one and be fortunate to to be there and work with these athletes because they're humans. I think a lot of times we forget that, you know, they're not just these athletes that we put on a pedestal and we want them to do X, Y and Z. They're humans and they want to come in and they want to have a safe space. And that's important for them to be successful. So for me, I I take it as a, a privilege to be able to walk into a room with, with anyone that I come across. One of my, uh, I want to, I remember when you were at Texas and we went to the CSCCA conference and you were an intern, you were volunteering here. You weren't getting paid. That's right. So you were busting your butt, <laughs> um, coming in early, dealing with all these knuckleheads, dealing with me. And then this conference comes up and you spend your own money to, to go out there. And I forget where was that at the, that year. And it was in Orlando. Yeah, so you spent all your money, your time to go out there, and you just got in their hip pockets, started meeting people, and I was like, because I was like, part of me at the time, I remember thinking like, uh, you know, interns, I don't know if she's going to make it, like, it costs money, (laughs) yeah, like, I don't know what's going to happen, I was real skeptical, Right. and we we came back from this conference, and lo and behold, you had a job offer from (laughs) Purdue, and I was like, wait a minute, who is this girl again? I wasn't messing around. You, again, you were that coach that just from that point on I was like I just looked at you differently because you weren't fearful to go and just get yourself in a in a in a zone of uncomfortableness with people you didn't know people that were more seasoned than you and to jump right in there and just own it and you know connect with different people and follow up with them be professional and get an offer that fast to move all the way up you know all the way to Purdue and then go up there and do a great job I mean, I was just blown away. And that's something I think today that young coaches, they, they don't do sometimes. No. You cannot put a value on face-to-face time. No, you Re- can't. 
resumes are a dime a dozen, but when I get in front of you face to face and can socially have social intelligence, which is what you had, of how to connect and relate and have a conversation and not be like insecure about that and do the job you did to get a job you got was so impressive. So still I out. mean, for me, when you're passionate about something, you just got to go for it. You know, you learn whether it be a good path or a bad path along the way. But if that's what you want, you know, that's how I was raised. You go for it. You, you mm-hmm. like jump in the deep end right away if that's where, if that's where you want to go. What would you say, uh, Coach Brittany, to like somebody listening and they just, man, they just, the opportunities just aren't there. Like how do you create, find, take advantage of opportunity, especially if they're, maybe it's competitive and you keep getting rejected, turned down, or just the door's not opening. What would you say your advice to something like that, someone like that? Be honest with yourself. I mean, I always self-reflect, right? I think a lot of times people go with the lens of like, people just don't like me or this isn't working out for me. Maybe this isn't my path. But if it's something that you genuinely love to do and you want to do, you know, self-reflect. Mm-hmm. What what am I doing that's getting me to get passed up? Is there something that I'm not elaborating on to, you know, better paint the picture of how I can fit into this program? Or am I dropping the ball and, you know, not sending that letter mm-hmm. or email now, and now it's not letters, I'm dating myself on, you know, responding back to those people or continuously checking in. You don't, you don't have to feel like you're bothering someone. People, I personally, I'm not, you know, I don't know how you feel about this, but we lack passion in this, in this field right now. I want someone blowing me up mm-hmm. to come and work with me alongside of me. I want that person to want to be there. I don't want them to just send me a casual preempt it. Thank you for letting me talk to you. Email, you know, I want, mm-hmm. I want to know that you have that desire to be here. So, so push, you know, fight for what you like. And I work with coaches, you know, one of my favorite coaches and we've known each other for so many years who I work with now we're, we're go getters. Like if, if it's not going to work and I can't get it somewhere or here, I'm going to go find somewhere else to get it because that's how I'm successful. Mm-hmm. So if we're not getting what we need, we go get it ourselves. We don't wait for nobody else. And that's, that for me has worked and that's what's gotten me where I've been, I, th- I think, right now yeah. in my profession. No, I like that because, I, you know, again, if I could drill down a little deeper, uh, just what I've seen with you over the years, um, obviously when you were working here and now you're, you're at St. Edwards and still doing some of your private stuff. What I have always, that's always kind of stood out to me that was just like, caught my eye about you is like, she not only loves this job, she genuinely cares about her athletes and they feel it and so what happens with that you'll see is like they're drawn to you because they feel the love and the care and it's not a love like we'll get in this in a minute or you just let people get away with everything like it's a tough love but it's right. a genuine and so i think people to your point athletes and coaches see that and it's hard to find today to have that like genuine passion that's just not for you're not just flipping it on off it's just who you are so uh, that's appreciate a big piece that. oh yeah i appreciate that I mean, I think, too, to your point, um, you know, these can be burnout jobs. Big time. Right? I mean, a little off the script here, but how have you kind of guarded that and made sure that that kind of stays at uh, a high level for you? How, what, I mean, obviously, we've all struggled with yeah. that stuff at some point, but how have you kind of kept that intact? I, I'm I'm big on balance, and, and I have not done well with this, so I feel like I'm really kind of 
calling myself out, but you know, we, we always give and give and give in our profession, which is why we get burnt out so quick. You know, we feel guilty if we, if we take a break or we go on a vacation or, you know, we take time Mm -hmm. for ourselves. And, um, I've burned the candle at both ends multiple times. And, you know, it's just gotten to a point where you have to start taking care of yourself. I can't do my job to the level that I think is acceptable. Mm -hmm. We all hold ourselves accountable in a different way if I don't give myself balance. Mm-hmm. Um, being a parent has actually really, really helped massively because when I'm at work, I value and appreciate me being a professional. But when I'm at home, I'm mom. And that switch has to get turned on and my work hat has to get turned off. Um, and it's forced me because, you know, this kids, kids force you to be there with them and be mm-hmm. present. And I mm-hmm. have to say present in every realm. So that has helped. If I'm not present, um, I can't be successful. And then I get mad because I didn't do the best job that I could do. And then if I'm not present for my daughter, that's molding her in a way that I'm not going to, you know, appreciate and value later on when she's in my shoes and, you know, doesn't have a foundation that's strong and solid. So balance, Mm -hmm. all balance. That's it. I like it. Um, Change topics just a little bit here. This is probably my favorite topic um, as of recent um, with all your experience in the private sector, you've had to run your own business, right? You've had to manage multiple athletes, whether it's overseas or here on the ground locally. Uh, again, you're a mom. You've had a lot going on. So you've had to really make sure now that you have a little Stevie, man, you got to pay the bills, right? That's right. They're and I mean, I could tell you like in Austin, right? Austin's very expensive now to live in. I know other cities are. So you've had to do this negotiation piece of your contract. And my conversation with you, like you kind of like a little bit of a Jedi Knight in my <laughs> eyes, but let's talk about like contract negotiation. Again, doesn't have to be private. I tell uh, younger coaches all the time, like when you're going to interview, don't just let them ask you questions. Like you interview them and see kind of what they're offering but like, if, if that's not enough, like, let's get into some negotiation here. So talk about like how you negotiate and kind of some of those pieces, how you look through that lens and go from there. I think there's been a huge growth period with that. Uh, when it originally started, I was terrible at it because I was so passionate about the job. I would just take whatever. You could have thrown a dollar my way and I'd have been like, done. Or you want me to do it for free? I'll do it because I, I genuinely care and love what I do. Um, it doesn't feel like work to me. So sometimes that can convolute things. Um, but I work hard. So as I would get into that process, I would be like, why am I not getting paid enough? I'm over here working my working my butt off and I'm like making pennies. What's going on? And mm-hmm. I would get frustrated. And you have to know your worth. And we say this all the time in our job and our life. And sometimes you want a job so bad that you'll you'll put yourself on the back burner because you just want that title or you want that job. And and the older you get and the more experienced you get, um, you know that you're worth way more than typically what they're offering you, in our profession at least. Um, and you have to sell yourself. Um, and that's not making you look like, you know, you have this huge ego. You have to sell that what you're doing is extremely important because a lot of times I think people – think we just show up in a weight room and we magically have these workouts and that's all we do and we dip out and we're good. And that's not even close to what we do. Um, but sell yourself and why it's important. And and I 
realize that my passion can be a gift and a curse, but it can be a gift in the sense of how I can explain my value and what that value brings and why the price tag that I'm telling you is acceptable is where it is because that's the level that I'm going to bring to you. That's the passion I'm going to bring. This is what's going to happen. And this is Mm -hmm. how this program can be better because I can help assist everyone, not just the athletes, but we work with a ton of different variables here, Mm -hmm. right? It's not just strength coaches we're working with. We're working with psych, nutrition, athletic trainers. I mean, you talk about it, we've got 80 million people in the hat, right? So you also have to have that good balance and be a people person and be able to communicate and be opening to listening to everyone um, or it's just not going to work. So that you can't, you can't put a price tag on that. But, uh, you know, starting out, I, I was not great at negotiation at all. And I've learned that putting a value on what you do is important. And also you believing it is important because you get in that negotiation and they start jacking with five grand or two grand or whatever. And you start feeling bad. No, don't feel bad. Revisit why you approach them with that that dollar amount anyways, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because that, that's that's important. And if you don't get it, you're going to be mad afterwards that you didn't go get it. Uh, my sister-in-law is an HR um, and she does all that. So she's like, B, sit down. I'm gonna break it down number-wise how much they're spending on you per month. That ain't that much. You deserve more, you know? So I have a hype person in that realm that really helped me kind of go go for it and mm. not think that what I was asking was way out of you know left field and was something that is still realistic and something that I know that they can invest in and that they can see the joy and the benefit of having me and paying that dollar amount because a lot of times they're like oh I don't know about that but that's that's where it is now it's you're selling yourself but you're selling yourself because you have to do it we don't get paid much in this profession I mean look at our jobs and what we encompass and how many hours we work. I think one time when I broke it down at Purdue, I figured that if I worked the amount of hours I was working, I could go to Baskin Robbins and make minimum wage and still make more than what my salary was. I mean, this is back in the day, so I'm not knocking Purdue, but you know, I mean, that's the amount of hours that we work, right? So, um, especially when you're in that grind mode. So don't, don't feel bad. It's there. You just got to kind of press it, you know? Um, they got the money. They wouldn't be there if they didn't. That's a good word. Uh, you you cracked me up. I remember 1994, my first gig, my first job, University of Colorado, six month internship, twelve thousand a year. Uh, yeah, but like living in a shoebox, <laughs> eating crackers yeah, uh-huh. and ramen noodles. Yep, working eighty hours a week. Um, so fast forward all the way to I think it was 2011. I'm here at Texas and sitting in the office, talking to our deputy AD, who's he no longer works here. And here's the question he hits me with, B. Because I go in there and, like, I've been offered the director role, but I don't know when I'm going to get paid. Right. To so your you, point. You coming in with so the whole script I don't know. ready to roll. Yeah. And so I've, got, I've done my homework and all that. So he looks across at me. He goes, so tell me what you're worth. And I was not prepared for that. You started sweating. I thought we were going to, because I mean, and I want to go back to what, because you, you nailed it. We don't think we're worth very much. No. Therefore, we don't want to ask for the money. We feel bad. We feel guilty. Because we like, that's too much. Right. And to your point, the money is there. It's, do you believe you're worth the money that's in that account? Right. And now do you have the courage and the backbone to ask for it and then back it up? Mm-hmm. And that's a problem today. 
We take whatever. Okay, I'll take that low salary. I'm, I'll take it just because I want the job. Right. Versus like if we would start saying, no, we're not taking these jobs anymore. You know, that guess what would happen? That raise, that ceiling on that salary would get a lot higher. And I think, you know, this is a different topic, maybe not for today, but you're seeing like I was at an athletics um, director conference in uh, October. And one of the consistent themes across the country, people are leaving. Yeah. You don't see that many old heads anymore. Because there's better jobs out there for better pay and less hours. And so there's going to be this, I think, this kind of tidal wave of vacancies that they're going to have to address. Like, I, th- I think you're seeing it probably in teaching industry right now, these lower paying jobs for the hours, because the level of impact and care you're providing for these kids, how do you put such a low number on it? So You can't. Yeah. I mean, what other profession is there out there? This is what I always say. I mean, for our jobs, especially at a college level, typically the the going level of expectation is you have to have a master's, you have to have a certification, but not just one, but multiple certifications, you have to have some level of experience, whether you've interned right. or been a what what degree or job field or anywhere else are you coming in with that list, laundry list of expectations and getting paid as low as we get paid? Mm-hmm. And it's it's like a known. I mean, people would just accept it and you're going, We always complain, we're not getting paid enough, but I don't see nobody changing it. I'm looking around yeah. the room and, and I don't see nobody doing anything different. So <laughs> to your point, like the problem with the structure, like you're talking about, right. is you've got these revenue support head coaches that are ascribing value because they know how valuable, but they don't know how to evaluate if you're really good at your job Correct. and if it's a risk. So that's why you're having all these these lawsuits and stuff because they're getting the good old boy, mm-hmm. paying them big salary, but they're not necessarily competent. Now, they obviously they're they're... They've got great charisma and can motivate and push people and demand a lot from people. But there's a the day and age we live in, like you need to know what you're doing or you got a lawsuit. So you got to be quick. competent. Yeah, very and so. Quick. But how do you put a number on that, right? To your point. Yeah, um, it's hard. I mean, we have technology now, which has been extremely helpful because we have th- we have data and, and instances where we can back stuff up, where we can help improve or stretch or widen a gap with an athlete and how we can make them you know, quicker, faster, stronger, and where mm-hmm. our impact is and how that fits. But it's still it's still an issue. I I, <laughs> I don't understand why we can't get past that hump. And we just we we can't. Hopefully the way things are growing and evolving we'll be able to get there. Right. Um and people are starting to understand our value. But you know, sadly our value is still shown by the data that's previously been here. So you know, with my job now, it was, well, here's the average salaries mm-hmm. for your profession. And you have to educate them on, yeah, but do you think that that is an actual livable average salary for mm-hmm. a human? Just a human. I'm not talking about any, like, just not even my profession. Do you think anyone can live on this and and not feel like they've got to go get a second job or, or do something extra on the side or, yeah. you know, burn themselves even further? No, I talked I talk to coaches week, Brittany, that grew, living out in a great city, great university, had worked four or five jobs. Exactly. her salary is just too, is too low. And then you're working how many hours, right? So that's, that's another thing that is another soapbox that I get on. I have, you know, big rocks, right? We talk about big rocks, non-negotiables. And, and as a younger coach, I was extremely, you know, guilty of this, that 
you have to know when to, to turn it off and turn it on, right? Balance. Like I said earlier, th- there's times where I'm like, I am not doing that. I, I have a cutoff switch. If you want me here working from 5.30 to 6 o'clock in the morning, I'm out at this you have time. boundaries. I'm, I'm not like, like, this is the window of my training period. That's it. And don't tell me nothing yeah. different. I'm not doing it because yeah. I want to be present for my child and I want to be home to be able to see my child. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to give you everything I got here, but... I'm stopping here and mm-hmm. I'm, yeah, I've worked good. my butt off to get to that point to where it ain't changing. Sorry. <laughs> All right. I got a, I got a g- good question for you here. Right, so you let's got? say you're taught, you're sitting down to have a cup of coffee. Huh? Somebody's interviewed for a job. They came back and they, you know, it wasn't the salary that they wanted or needed. How would you counsel or mentor that young coach or professional to go in and negotiate for higher a higher salary, like what would be some of the kind of talking points and approach that you would, would you uh, recommend? Just think through that for a minute. Ooh. Uh, first I would say, what's your job description? What are they expecting of you? Right. Um, what are they expecting of you on paper? But what are they expecting from you off paper? You know, we got a, a description of a job, but when you get there, the expectation is, is a whole lot more and you got a whole lot of other things. Oh, well, can you can you do this as well? And we expect you to do this and that. But what are those two things, right? Um, and why does that look like this salary? Um, you can be with people that are data-driven, number-driven, that, are, that you're trying to fight with, right? Let me give you the numbers. Let me tell you how many hours I'm going to be here. And do you think that if you were in my position – that would Ooh, be an good. adequate amount Ooh, of salary, flip right? The yeah, on yeah, flip it because they're going to be very quick to turn around and be like, "Well, I want to take that job." Okay, so then why are you offering me it for that amount of price, right? So, and if they know, which if you're in this discussion about you know salaries, right, you've gotten to a point of what they expect from you and what your job description is on paper, right? Um, so, hey, this is all that I'm doing. This is all I'm bringing to the table. So. That value isn't right. And this is, where do we meet? Because they're going to negotiate. There's always, there's a wiggle gap that they're going to give you, right? Let's say you come in as 50000 right? But you push back. They know that that's their, their baseline. There, there's, there's a ceiling that, that you haven't even hit yet. So push back. It's, mm-hmm. not, it's not as bad as you think it is. And if, if they say no and you keep pushing, you have to also be willing to walk away. That's it right there, though. That's and that's, tough. That's tough, man. I've had to do it. And I tell you what, man, I, I've sweated and I've been so just bummed. But I have to do it and walk away to feel better. And you know what? Something else better has come along every single time. Um, or you push and you push and you push and then they finally break. Again, it's if you're not going to do it, I'm going to go do it myself mentality right so mm-hmm. walking away is hard and everybody talks about doing it but it, it until you actually have to do it, it you you but learn the, a lot you learn but, a lot you but know in the I mean? end, right though hard. you feel good about yourself because you've not let somebody just ascribe a lesser value you do for the job you do it's scary though like in my situation i didn't have anything else so it was like i have to do this I have to do it for me. So the whole time the negotiation process is going on, I'm telling myself, stand, this is your baseline, right? You, you said this is what your baseline number is. And if that baseline number doesn't get met, mm-hmm. you also have to be okay with saying, I unfortunately can't do this. I appreciate you giving me this time and the value that we've had of coming back and forth and negotiating this salary and the opportunity. But this is where I, where I have the, the bottom line at. 
and we can't meet it. So maybe if the opportunity comes along later on and, and this chance happens and we can sort it all out, it'll be there. But if mm-hmm. not, like I have to, I have to be honest and true to myself because if I take that job and I didn't get what I wanted, how bitter am I going to be the whole time I'm there? Like that is just an unhealthy work environment from the jump. So I'm coming in and I'm already mad because I'm not getting what I feel like I'm worth. So mm-hmm. how successful are you going to be in that job? Not really. Yeah, no. You know. I know, you know, you've been to college too, but you're kind of fighting for yourself. I know in the college scene or professional scene, you know, you got to, there's some different strategies you can use, right? Like you can have, again, I'm basing this off the assumption that you're doing a great job. I better be. Right? Because if you're not doing a good job, they <laughs> right. ain't giving you nothing. Right, yeah. That, no, that needle's not nothing. moving no matter no. how much you push back. So I think, you know, getting buy-in from your head coaches, your your other performance team, whether it's sports med or um, I would say even really the athletes, right? Mm-hmm. The athletes will tell it now. And they'll Definitely. tell it and they'll, they'll let the coach know how valuable you are. And so the more you can kind of build those, those um, stakeholders, the influence with them – it just helps your cause. I know, going back to my story, when when he asked me that question, what are you worth? It helped because leading up to that conversation, some of my head coaches had been in there and put in a good word for me, which gave me some credibility and authority, right? Sometimes you have to borrow influence from people to make it, get a decision to punch through. So those are some strategies I know with negotiations helped me some. Oh, definitely. I mean, you, you have to call around. I, I, I've talked to you multiple times about, hey, what do I do here? How do I manage this? How do I explain it in a way that they're going to understand it? You know, getting viewpoints from all different avenues. Uh, most of my friends and family, they're not in this realm that I'm in. So they're in different, completely different workforces. And getting different viewpoints from different workforces is, is huge because it brings another tangible in that you kind of don't think about until you go into that negotiation style. Mm-hmm. Because most people you negotiate with, they're not in our profession, right? They're, they're the higher ups, they're the top dogs. So they are in that like dollar cents, you know, we're looking at this from a cost revenue standpoint, which you're going to bring to the table. So you to be able to switch that over and kind of relate with them in that way, they sometimes appreciate that. And they're like, oh, okay, you're kind of with it more than I thought. I should have done my homework a little bit better before you came in and, and you know, shifted mm-hmm. gears into my direction and I didn't have to shift into your direction. So that has helped me because I need to see it from a lot of different viewpoints. I mean, my profession and my career has put me in a lot of different fields. So, and that's what I think has helped me out long term and sustained where I am right now. So, why not look at it from a different viewpoint? Yeah, I always feel like there's this is just my, gen, I'm just a very gen, generic as far as like my experience of dealing with this kind of negotiation. There's usually one person that's the no person. Always. Like their, their job is to tell you no. No matter yes. what you do, they're not going to no. budge. Yeah. So you've got, to your point, you've got to do your homework. You've got to have different ways of presenting the job you do so that they can be educated on it and fight for your worth and value. And again, that may be that. It may be being patient, being persistent. It may be, like you said, you just have to walk away and not take the job, which sometimes you do that, then that person is telling you no if somebody really wanted you, now they're going to have to have a tough conversation. Right. Why did we just lose this employee? So there are some other in- intricacies to it that's kind of interesting. So yeah. it's a cool topic. It's been a battle. I, I've learned the hard way, I think. But 
it's it's gotten me here now to where I'm like, mm-hmm. let's go, let's take the gloves off. I don't even need gloves no more. Let's let's work with it. So w- one more question on this, and we'll we'll move on. But um, what would be your counsel or thoughts on what are some other uh, intangibles for maybe it's the job you want, but maybe they they got the salary up a little bit, but not meeting you. What are some other intangibles you could put on the table to negotiate? Some thoughts there on that, whether it's, um, you know, it could be professional development. I don't know. Stuff yeah, like that, you know. That could be. I mean, we're, in our profession, we have a lot of different avenues we can do. Like you said, professional development, um, growing a program out and, you know, sorting out other avenues with getting into the community, working in the community and mm-hmm. having that avenue. Um, gosh, there's... There's so many. I and mean, I think for you, you you definitely, I think from, remember, correct me if I'm wrong, being able to keep some of your private stuff open too. Correct. And not just having to shut down everything. Right. I mean, that's always something. It's been you a could, good blend. Yeah. And it makes good money. The private side is, you know, we joke, it's the dark side, right? Because you get over there, you don't have to work as so many hours, you make a little bit more money. Um, but at the same time, you're in an island by yourself and mm-hmm. you are your own promoter. So you, if you're not working, you're not making money. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's those gifts and curse. But yeah, you, you be a jack of all trades. I think you can't just be one dimensional in any any realm of life. That's not good. No way to be successful. I, I me personally, I but I mean, look at other ways to do it. That's not gonna just run you in the ground, right? Um mm-hmm. private sector's great. Uh, I've had people, because you have so much knowledge, expertise, experience, and your profession, a lot of people have gone over into more of like a PT realm side of things mm-hmm. and done done that. Um, there's a lot. But getting in the community, working with them in that way, seeing different types of athletes, different types of people. I mean, at one point, I was even doing personal training, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm making money. At the end of the day, I'm coming home with a paycheck. I can pay my bills. I got food on the table. I'm driving a car. Mm-hmm. You know, all my bills are paid. So don't let your ego get in the way of that, right? right. I mean, whenever I was here with you, I would ride a bike down from a studio that I was training at, and I'd park it, work here, bike back up and right. train again and then go do private sector stuff at night. So it it it's always temporary. It's never permanent. Yeah, and I think too you can um when you're negotiating for contracts and a job like what can you do? Like they're offering you this, right? They're just trying to check a box, but what can you put on the table and push back on that would make that job a better job and more appealing to you? Right. So that could be work life schedule, mm-hmm. right? Kind of when you work, when you're off. Could be not traveling as much. Mm-hmm. So you have more time for your family. Could be site visits. Could be maybe you want to learn more about technology or research something. Or maybe you want to have, you know, in the summers, you want to take a two week trip to do an internship somewhere. I don't know, whatever it may be. But there's a lot of ways you can negotiate your contract today that's not always monetary. Correct. Correct. That kind of set you up for right. success down the road. And I think I think that's a big piece of it too today, you know. It is cuz I mean, you can have uh, you can have the best job in the world, right? This shiny looking thing. I'm at a Power 5 school. I'm you know, this director, I'm doing all this stuff, but when you get there, you're going this isn't what I thought it was going to be. Mm-mm. I'm not happy. I'm working too much. I don't have balance. I'm not getting th- this price tag that I thought was great. And, you know, all this shiny stuff that's in front of me, it's really not worth it because I am not my me. I'm not myself. I'm, I'm a shell of who I am. I'm not able to even get to enjoy this money. So yeah. 
I don't even want this anymore. You know what I mean? So negotiating those things, I think, are just as important as the dollar amount because you can't put a dollar amount on your health and having that balance. I mean, you you can't, you know, and it's it's hard to do, but it's it's huge. It's got to yeah. be done. It's the only you, way you, you can be successful. Yeah, it's all about trade-offs. If you take one thing, you're going to lose something. So is that a trade-off worth making, you know? And I think any time, to your point, I think you're spot on, any trade-off you can make that puts you in a position where you're not burned out, overstretched, overcommitted, right, and, and overrun, mm-hmm. and you got some time and space in there to make sure you're healthy, you're having a good time, and you look forward to coming to work every day and every week, that's a trade-off worth making, so. All right, and and them knowing the value in that, because if I'm coming into work and I'm, I'm fresh and I'm with it and I've had that balance, how better am I going to be able to do my job, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how better a coach, how better a mentor am I going to be whenever I have a fresh face and I don't feel like I've just not slept in three weeks and now I'm just here to check a box, you know? I mean, that that's huge and that's important and that's how people get better. That's how you get better as a coach. That's how the athlete gets better. You know, you build those relationships. It's important. It's huge. Mm. I could keep talking, but like, we're gonna. <laughs> Sorry. We're gonna, no, I like that. That's one of my favorite topics. I could we could do a whole show. Yeah, on that one. no, really. You could. Um, let's talk a little bit leadership now. Change topics. You were recently you were named director of strength conditioning at Stain Edwards here in Austin. What's it been like so far starting up a program that didn't really exist? So you're kind of pioneering this. So what's it been like, and then kind of what's your vision? Oh man, uh, this is it's been hard, but it's a task that I think when. I felt it was available to approach was something that I really, really, really wanted to do. Um, I like a challenge. It pushes me. It makes me get outside of the box. It makes me get out of my comfort zone. So when it was available to me and I had the opportunity, I was like, let's go. I actually was the one who pushed for it more um, because this has literally never been created, had. This is the first time this has ever been there. Um, I think that school is a great school because it's in a phenomenal conference and Austin's a great city. Right. And between San Antonio and Dallas, there is nothing like that school. It's a small school. Um, it's great. It's very pretty. You can't, you know, if you ever walk around the campus, you should. I'll take you around one time. It's, it's a beautiful school. Um, and it. I felt like it was a diamond in the rough. So I was like, you have an opportunity to grow a school mm-hmm. in an athletic department in a way that could really bring in a ton of more athletes and, and students. So why, why are we not doing this? Like, let's make this happen. Um, and it's been, I mean, it's a challenge. It's a chore. It's me. And I'm starting everything from scratch. So we're talking budgets to weight rooms to, you know, anything you could possibly think of. Um, I am doing it. I have my hand in every cookie jar known to man. Um, so I've had to find balance in that. And it's a trial and error period, you know, I found that if I just go to where it's only focused on the athletes, then the admin side struggles, right? And if I only go to the admin side, then the athletes are like, hey, what's up? Like, you're not you're not here. What are you doing? So how do I stay in a weight room all day, but then also check off everything that needs to get done from mm-hmm. the admin side? So it's trial periods, you know, that I'm like, whew, that was not good. So let's revamp and relook at it. And I've approached it from a semester approach, Um What's two things that you want to get done this semester that are realistically manageable? Not mm-hmm. like I want to do something off the charts that's not going to get happen within that semester period um, and make them happen and get them done and chip away at it slowly. This is not something that's going to get done overnight. 
Um, so I have to have patience with that and I'm not a patient person. So, um, yeah, it's, it's good. I, I enjoy it and I know it's going to be a battle, but it's a battle that I'm willing to fight. And I think all in all as a whole, I think it will, I don't think, I know it will help better the athletic department as a whole. And the goal is to grow it out and for it to be its own department, you know, Mm -hmm. just like every other university has they have a strength and conditioning department right so let's make it happen what's why can't this school be any different i love that what you said earlier about um the, the admin piece and then the, the athlete i think you know th- and I've, I've been guilty of this um and we all are at some point but i think one of the greatest like mistakes we can make as a leader is um we put paperwork before people work mm-hmm. and again i'm not saying you, you have to do admin work. If you're going to be a director, if you let that go, you'll lose your job. Correct. For sure. But, you know, what I've seen, and, in, in, you know, I've been doing this 29 years now, you'll see as you move up in any organization, especially in college sports or pro sports, what I've noticed that a lot of times people tend to get kind of like stuck up in the ivory tower, so mm-hmm. to speak. And they're doing all their admin work and paperwork, but they lose that disconnect with people. And I think, again, this is just me. If you want to keep that edge, you got to get out of the ivory tower yeah. Yeah. and come down. Get in. You don't necessarily have to be like in the trenches fully, but like go around and and talk to people and see what they're doing. I, I love that show. What was it? Uh, I forget what it was. Uh, who's your, what was it where the boss would switch? Oh, what was yeah. It? I forget the name uh, of the show, but I'm blanking on it. Yeah, they go in and they disguise themselves and they... Uh, so they're the, the owner, the CEO. Right. And they take like a ground job. And they know, go in. Ah, oh, what was it called? I forget the name of it. Hey, um, I know what you're talking about. And my they favorite go part of that one. show would always be this, at the end of the show, the boss, the owner, would be welling up in tears because he would be back in the kitchen or... Back in the car wash or whatever, in the factory, and seeing these employees working hard and they're hurting, and have he just he would get his edge back, right? Right, because if you're going to be good at what you're going to do, you got to have passion. But if you only have passion and no compassion, you become a tyrant. Correct. But if you have only compassion and no passion, people walk over you. So you need passion to drive and be that demand and like let's get stuff done, like you said. But dude, you gotta have some compassion for people that if they're gonna follow you, you gotta have empathy and compassion, and then that's the blend you want. I feel like, you and know? that's hard. Right. I mean, you said it. We're guilty of both of those, right? And, and a lot of times that they didn't realize that that's a person, mm-hmm. right? You get so caught up in just oh, we check that box. Why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you doing that? Well, that's a person. They also have a life outside of this job that they're battling. They also have got you know four kids, and you know two grandkids are raising two as well. And they're coming mm-hmm. here every day. And, you know, that's why they start crying. They realize this person's showing up every day and doing better than me. Oh, and yeah. and they got a whole lot more going on than I, I ever would imagine to have. And they're doing it for little to no amount of money, right? So we're people too, you know, that people don't understand that. You just show up, just do your job. Well, yeah, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're showing up, you know, but there's a lot that goes on just besides this job and this position, you know, um, we're humans and we also have a lot going on in our lives. Yeah. And I, again, we kind of ties back into our negotiation, but like, I think that's always a piece you want to evaluate, whether it's a college setting, private, um, maybe it's pro, 
Uh, maybe you're working with multiple organizations, but like how they treat people. Yeah. You know, uh, you you definitely you want to you want to work with winners, but you also want to work with people that it's not just a one way street. Like it should be mm-hmm. the best re- the best relationships, right? Are always to me I've seen are win win. Correct. Right. Correct. Because I always felt like there's four there's four ways people can um, there's four excuse me four types of relationships that kind of like impact you right. Every relationship can either add to you, right? It can subtract from you, right? It can divide or it can multiply, right? right? And so I think two of those, you really, those add and multiply relationships, those are ones, man, You those are hard to find, but you, when you get them, you want to keep working with them. And so I think that's a big piece of, you know, in your job. When you, when you start finding jobs or you're working in a place that maybe the leadership changes and now they're taking more from you than yep. you're, than they're, giving like you kind of got to reevaluate that job a little bit you know you do and you have to step back a lot of times you know we can't get emotional you can't make emotional decisions right and Mm -hmm. and working in an olympic realm has helped me with that you know you're going to have uh arguments or disagreements Mm -hmm. with coaches and coaches are going to come for you about certain things but you know you have to step back and and it cannot be personal but there still has to be a level of respect, right? Like you're not just going to talk to me reckless because that just means you don't respect me. And mm-hmm. this situation isn't even a situation. We need to now talk about the level of respect that somehow or another we don't have for each other. You don't have for me or vice versa, right? So we're still in a workforce. You got to talk to me and you got to respect me. And if you don't respect me, then let's peel that back, like shelf the other stuff. And let's talk about why do you not respect me or vice versa? Because I need you to be an add and a multiply. I don't need you to be, a, you know, a subtract for me because that will make my life so much harder. Think about like the jobs and the situations you've been where you've been constantly surrounded by people who are, are subtracting you, how much energy that steals from you on a daily basis and where you were at physically and mentally is it's insane. You dread it. Yeah. Oh, you dread it. And, and you're a completely different person. And then when you get out of that, it's like. You over in the Bahamas, you know, sitting with the Mai Tai. Yeah, yeah. It it can take it away from you, you know, quickly. So we also don't like having conflict and and you have to have conflict. Conflict is good because that means you're both passionate about something to an extent, Mm -hmm. right? So like if if you're just going and floating along and you're not addressing situations and issues that come along, especially when you're building programs too, right? And you want to be great. I can't tell you how many times I've had conflict with you know one of my coaches in the UK, but that's good. That, she is one of the my closest friends. She's a mentor. She's someone that I have probably the most level of respect for. We're going to have conflict, but that's because we're both passionate about what we do, mm-hmm. and we both want to be great. That's not like we don't want to just get on a podium. We want to win, and we're going to win. So like we're going to butt heads, but we're gonna wake up the next day and be like, hey, what's up? You know chat it, move on. We're adders to each other's lives and we get that that's going to happen. It can't mm-hmm. just be, you know, smooth sailing the whole way through. And I think sometimes coaches get mad because you have a dis, you know, you have a disagreement with them, but it's like, it's nothing, it's not personal. It's just professional. Yeah. Like we, we want the same thing, right? So like, it's not that we're here and on two different levels. We want the same thing. That's why we're, that's why we're kind of coming at each other for a minute, but like, let's know what our end goal is and let's get to that and work together versus Dividing each other. Yeah, no, that's so good. That's another talk. We could do another show on that. <laughs> I love the, what I, again, this is just my personal experience of learning. Yeah. The best 
work environments, there's, there's two pieces to this, right? There's working together cooperatively. And with that, the trade is what everybody just agrees. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yes. 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 The yes man. And to me, that's kind of a mediocre, but it's, that's pretty normal. Right. Right. So, but if you flip the script over here on this side, you want, really, you want to work for that collaborative, right? So you got cooperative and now, but now I really want collaborative where that is, we're working together aggressively. Correct. There's going to be sparks, pushback. Not everybody's going to fall in line perfectly. And you're not necessarily working for agreement, but you're working for alignment. Correct. So we can agree to disagree, but we're aligned moving forward. We're going to get better. It's going to make you better. It's going to make me better. We're going to be a better team. So yeah, and and that comes with growth too, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you some. It's hard not to take it personal, but it, it's just it's oh, yeah. Sure. You know, I mean, it's yeah. it's you're going to do it. We're all human, but you have to separate it. You know, it's I always keep an angle in mind. And again, the Olympic side has helped me with that. We can't we can't stop. We have a path that we have to get to in four years. So if we stop and we take time away for those athletes who are trying to get one goal in four years, we're doing them a disservice. So mm-hmm. already you might as well just chunk me out the picture if we're sitting here and wasting our energy mm-hmm. on the fact that we got into a little tiff. Like, no, we got into it. We figured it out. We we sorted it and we yeah. moved forward because we got to still wake up the next day and tackle our job, mm-hmm. you know, and you can't sit and dwell on it. It's not, it never works out when you do that. Yeah, it does. It takes maturity and time. It does. Um, change gears again here a little bit let's talk program design uh training what's your approach to performance training and kind of what are some lenses or maybe tools you use to evaluate and make decisions a a wise man once told me (laughs) should be you uh to look at every form and style of training take what you like and put it in your toolbox and chunk what you don't like and make and grow your own philosophy of how you mm-hmm. do things and how you coach. You told me that many, many years ago. Right. And that's something that I've built the way that I train. Um, I love using technology and using trackers and velocity-driven things and force outputs and rate of force development, all that fun stuff. I can nerd out on that all day. Um, but I'm also going to watch the athletes move when they warm up. I'm going to see where they're, where they're kind of maybe tight how they're moving mentally and physically, where they are, are they checked in, are they not? Is their nervous system looking a little bit run down? Where are we? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to use that coaching eye, which a lot of people would say is old school, and and have both. Um, there's a time and place for that. And watching the athlete, you and I talked about this forever ago, is in a warm-up is probably one of the most key pieces to having – a big mm-hmm. phenomenal, you know, lift. So if I know an athlete's coming in and they're not moving well and they're mentally just not here, I'm shifting things in my head immediately because I'm not going to get what I need out of them during that lift. No matter, you know, what what technology says, they're mentally not here, right? So let's shift it and and work it to where we're going to get everything out of this piece that we need right now. And then wake up tomorrow and then we'll revisit it again. But um, you know, my philosophy is is we're going to do something every day that is going to challenge you physically or mentally or both. But we're not coming in here to check a box. Mm-hmm. We're coming in here to get better. And my expectation of you is to get better. And my expectation is to make you great because your goal is to be great. So 
you can come in and have fun. It's going to be fun. Don't get me wrong, but we we got stuff to do. We got we got things that we got to get a hold of. So I use technology for that. Um, in this world, we're all data-driven and we need instant gratification. So for my athletes, I think that's great to use because they can see, oh my gosh, I need to move a little bit quicker. Okay, yeah, I'm not moving. Or dang, I sucked out at the pool, but I'm moving really well in here. So maybe I'm not having as bad of a day as I thought, right? Um, mentally, I've found that that helps a lot. Physically, it helps shape mm. me as we get going. And that Jedi piece. Mind yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I like a blend of both. Um, my style is to have fun, but my level of expectation is always going to be here. And I will always remind you what your end goal is. And I've, any of that, my athletes watch their listen to this, they'll crack up laughing because I'll be like, hey, did you really think that that was going to get you where you want to be at the end of the year? Do you think you're going to be on top of a podium for that? Or, you know, they'll see me watch them and I'll kind of, they've got this look where I like tilt my head a little bit and squint and they're like, what? And I'm like, it's good, but that that's not what I want to see. I need a little bit quicker. I need you to turn over a little bit faster. Like that, that's going to get you fourth. I need you here to get first. So mm-hmm. let's, let's go, you know, and we laugh and we chuckle about it, but that's, the way I work and you know you got to learn how to read an athlete that's something yeah. that I think has no uh, value that you can't put a price tag on because we have some great minds in this in this industry but they can't read an athlete and technology can only get you so far mm. and 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 you can't be the old school methodology where you don't think that technology isn't going to help you you know so blend them both and that to me has seemed to work and you'll see French contrast, you'll see a little West Side barbell, you'll see, I mean, you, I throw it all in there, right? Love, it, there's yeah. a time of peace for it all. Um, and it helps. And diving is a sport that, you know, you got to play chess with it, not checkers. So you, you got to get these athletes in a position that they can get great range overhead, that they can have great tuck and pike shapes. And you can't compromise their flexibility, but they need to be explosive. They need to be strong, and they need to be able to withstand hitting that water at the rate that they're hitting. So um, know that and and get them to where they need to be. Don't just follow one one path. Mm-hmm. And me shaping my toolbox with all these other you know little tricks and trades, I think has helped me be a, a good coach. Yeah, you. I mean, you definitely become more well rounded, and it's like Coach Dan Pav years ago. Um, told me that he kind of used a Star Wars kind of quote, but like only a Sith thinks in absolutes, right? So there's, to your point, I mean, I 100% couldn't agree more, is you, every athlete's so different and they adapt different and they respond different. So why would you only use certain training systems and tools yep. to develop them? Expand that continuum in your toolkit right there to get, because at the end of the day, you, you nailed it like, we want to be great, not mediocre, not good, not okay, not decent, but great. You're you're dealing with athletes that stand on the world stage. They don't get points for being okay. They right. need to be the best. And so why not use the best tool? So good yeah. stuff. And they're doing it, you know, every four years. People, when people go to ask me why I do this, and I'm like, you, you have to understand this athlete, you know, you get to go and compete every year at a college level for right. that national championship, right? They get – one shot in four years. That's yeah, it. Small you know, window. we we have world championships and things of that nature that get us to where we want to be at, at the Olympics and that are big, but that is the creme de la creme. That is your equivalent, right? And you mm-hmm. can only get that at four years. So we gotta be great and we gotta be great always, or that's not gonna get us there. We have countries that will kick us 
in the teeth mm-hmm. very quickly if they allow, you know, if, if you allow it. So you have to be ready and you got to bring it every single day for four years. And that's hard. And that's huge. That they're different. They're a different athlete. I, I couldn't do it mm-hmm. <laughs> four years for, for one thing and, and have that motivation day in and day out. Um, I use that with, with my college athletes. Cause I'm like, you get a shot every year. Like that motivates you. They get it once every four years. And in this instance with Tokyo, it was five. So how do you mm-hmm. motivate for five years? Yeah, yeah, it's good. It's big. Well, hey, we got time for one more question. Okay. I'm going to have a fun question here for you. So a little off script, but uh, Brittany now has to go back, and you're going to give a younger Coach Brittany advice for what's coming down the pipe. What do you tell a younger Brittany that's just getting started, green, young, full of life, energy. You still are today, obviously, but you're just, you don't really know anything. What would you tell yourself when you were getting into this? Uh, buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Buckle up. It's, it's going to be turbulent, but uh, listen to your instincts and go with your passion and don't let anybody take it from you because it's going to try to get taken from you, but don't. That's so good. I always feel like in this profession, you have fire fighters and fire starters. Correct. Stay away from the firefighters <laughs> and get around the fire starters because they, you got to put that circle around you to encourage you through. Because I almost, I mean, early in my career, I almost shut it down. I mean, you know me it's too. Tough. I almost did too. I mean, yeah, I, I, he's having to talk me off a ledge there right. for a while. So, you know, it's. And that's part of how you, you mature. And like you said, you gain perspective and wisdom about. How to navigate better. So, but you've done a you've done a phenomenal job, and again, congrats to everything you've done and what you're doing now and going to do in the future. It's been awesome to see. Well, I appreciate that. Thanks for even considering me for this. This, yeah, is, this has been dude. awesome. I love it. This, this is, is easy. great. Well, hey, if anybody wants to connect, what's the best way to reach out? Any of our listeners want to follow up, talk a little more shop with you, connect, come visit you in Austin. What's the best way? Yeah, for sure. Uh, probably email. I would think I, social media. I need to be better at so. Um, you can you can email me at any point in time. I'm always good on the phone, but you can uh, my email is gonna be info at mtgatx.com. So email me. You can uh, I'll shoot you a text or a call after that, and we can link up. But I'm I'm down to talk shop anytime. I love it. It's cool. We'll put that in the passion. show notes. Uh, anybody wants to connect, definitely. Again, Brittany's here in Austin. She's all over, traveling all over the world and stuff at at times. So. Um, busy mom, successful coach, more than anything, great human being. You would not uh, regret any time with her. So if you can, link up with her, followers, talk shop, you won't regret it. So, Brittany, thank you so much. Yes, of course. Thank you. I appreciate well, well, hey, it. Hey, uh, that's our time for the Team Behind the Team podcast. Hey, thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll see you next month. Hook them. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Team Behind the Team podcast. For future episodes, go to iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Stitcher. We definitely want to keep having great guests on the show and great content. So if you have a moment, please go to iTunes, leave a rating and review, and let us know how we're doing. I'm Donnie Mabe, and thanks so much for tuning in.